So the theme of our worship reflection this month is transformation. So I picked the poem about the spider weaving its web because it has many images of transformation. Eric read the poem to the children, you heard it, and it's also printed in your order of service so you can post it on your fridge or share it with someone who isn't here today. I want to acknowledge from the outset that spiders are quite scary to some people. You might be a person who goes the other direction when you see a spider. You might be a person who would take the long way around instead of going through a door which had a spider web in it. Fear of spiders is a very real thing, so if you are one of those people, please bear with me today as I use this metaphor. I want to tell you a story about once when I was walking through the woods with a group of people and I witnessed something that I found very touching. We were walking along chatting when a young man in our group stopped us and asked us to wait while he moved a spider web out of the pathway. I said, what? Sure enough, he pointed out, and when I looked carefully, I could see the threads shimmering in the sunlight and the spider in the center. Then, as if he were carefully unpinning laundry from the clothesline, he grasped an upper and a lower strand on the left side and drew it back like opening a magic door. And the rest of us walked through. Then he neatly reattached the sticky threads where they had been on the branches of the bush at the edge of the path. And during this whole process, the spider sat in the middle of the web. I looked in amazement at the young man and he explained, I'm just trying to respect its home. Yes, a spider web is a home, and it is also a grocery store of sorts. <laughs> it is the place the spider gets its food. The spider is catching insects. A spider web is an active field. A live creature is interacting with other live creatures in the universal process of finding nutrition. The spider web is full of possibility. By contrast, what is a cobweb? By most definitions, a cobweb is a spider web that has been abandoned. That's the definition I'm using today, although according to the dictionary, there's a second definition, which is a cobweb, which is a tangled three-dimensional spider web. That's very unlike the circular woven spider web in the poem and the picture. Now I have some friends who live on a farm where they can their own food, and each fall they fill the jars with the tomatoes, applesauce, and pickles, and then take boxes and boxes and boxes down the narrow stairs to the cool, damp cellar. Then, as winter goes by, they retrieve a jar whenever they are ready to eat it. One day I was helping with the cooking and went down to the cellar. And in the dim light, I had to really look around. And there were shelves and kind of alleys in between the shelves. And finally, I found the tomato sauce on the bottom shelf way in the back corner. And when I emerged back up into the light of the kitchen, do you know what we saw? There were cobwebs on my clothes. 
And so we had a good laugh about that, and getting them off is very sticky business. So I'd like to offer a comparison. Spider webs are fresh and taut. Cobwebs are crumpled and limp. Spider webs are shiny. Cobwebs are dull. Spider webs span across spaces that we humans also move in, doorways and pathways. Cobwebs are in corners, attics, basements, underneath furniture. Spider webs are to be cleaned around, in my opinion. Cobwebs are to be cleaned up. Spider webs serve a purpose. Cobwebs are past serving a purpose. Spider webs are made useful by waiting until food is caught. Cobwebs are past the time of useful waiting. And so my question for us today is, how can we see the spider webs and cobwebs in our lives? I think there are things in this life that sometimes stick around too long. For example, a job that had meaning once but is no longer the right fit, beliefs that were constructed in a certain limited situation but no longer serve us, friendships that aren't healthy anymore, grief that is not processed, congregational systems that were made at one time but haven't evolved with the changes in the congregation, national laws that do not make sense anymore. Many of these things were great at first. They did serve a purpose, but realizing that they have become cobwebs can be uncomfortable. Cleaning under the furniture can be awkward. So what is the solution? I suggest that just like the young man in the forest, that we need to look closely. We need to examine. We need to ask ourselves, is there still life there? Is the waiting a healthy waiting? If not, we have an opportunity to be actively aware of bringing things to a close. Once you discover that something in your life has become a cobweb, I encourage you to allow yourself the compassion to clean it up. That might mean taking time, but it can open new spaces and freedom. That is much easier to say than to do. In fact, there are times when our economics or family situations mean that we simply have to live with an outdated situation for a while. If so, we have the opportunity to be compassionate and honest with ourselves about that truth instead of pretending. Our souls find much more ease when we acknowledge that our situation is not life-giving and that we are waiting for new life when it is ready. But in addition to cleaning up the cobwebs in our lives, there is a subtle distinction that I would like to make. And do you recall the line in the poem that says, eat your mistakes? 
eat your mistakes. Out of context, it could sound cruel, like a taunt. But in this context, I find it beautiful. And here's the science behind it. Many spiders actually do eat their own webs daily. Because the web has holes where insects were caught or debris where other things settled, the web needs to be refreshed. The protein in the silk provides nutrients that are then digested and reused in the silk for the next web. I think the spider should get a gold star for reducing, reusing, and recycling. <laughs> so here's my question for us. Do we need to eat our own webs? Sometimes when we have been hurt or have hurt others, we might have a tendency to move on without looking back. But instead, we might be wise to look at the tear in the relationship and see what could be learned. In this way, we let the past nourish our future. As a second example, we can also think of a congregation like a spider web. All congregations face changes that leave tears in the fabric, and all congregations accumulate habits that become burdensome. Many examples are found in the UU World Magazine, which is mailed to all members. How many people here get the UU World Magazine at home? Yeah, so you get to read all those examples about joys and sorrows in congregations across the world. Any congregation has a chance to let the past be nourishment for the future, just like the spider does. Any organization has an opportunity to absorb what happened and then move on to build new things. Similarly, there are broken places in the history of our country. The treatment of Native Americans and blacks here in Central Virginia is an often untold history. One way that our congregation tried to address that very concretely is recently having children from this congregation go and visit the Jefferson School, which was a place that many African Americans in our community went to school. And through that learning, understanding the past, digesting it, and seeing what can be made new and good. So we can all rise to the occasion to look at what happened and tell the stories. We can digest and then build something fresh from our insights. So my friends, today we have a lesson from the spider and its web. The spider knows that change is inevitable. We humans sometimes forget that. But we do not have to be at the mercy of change. We can be a partner in the change process in life. Our outer environments are constantly changing and inside our bodies are constantly changing on a cellular level. The process of deconstruction and reconstruction is natural and ongoing. But sometimes when we are the person in the middle of the process, the subtleties might evade us. So sometimes it can be helpful to have a buddy, a partner, a friend, a listener. So in our congregation, as part of our pastoral care, church members volunteer to be on the pastoral visitors team. The pastoral visitors get active training. They get training in active listening and sensitivity to life situations. 
They meet regularly to check in with the minister confidentially. They show up to listen to other church members who are going through a challenging situation, such as a major illness, loss of a loved one, job loss, or any other thing that leaves a person at loose ends. Right now, the pastoral visitors team has about six or eight people, and I know we're at the early service, which is usually thin attendance, but I'm gonna ask any pastoral visitors who are here to please stand. So Liz Evans and Kate Fraley, thank you for when you show up and be a listening presence to other people as they go through a transformation. Thank you. Anyone who is reflecting that you might be called to serve as a pastoral visitor, please know that we will have an information session on July 6th about how to get involved. And so my friends, as this month of April closes, as the heat of summer sets in, as the school year winds down, as we finish the first 100 days of this U.S. presidency, as our hearts break, as our hearts heal, as we wake up each morning, do our work, rest each night, may we have a healthy cycle in harmony with life cycles and live fully into our potential. Blessed be. Amen.